Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, welcome to another edition of the Red and Black Podcast. Uh, I am now joined by my esteemed co-host, Mr. Ray Anderson. Uh, hold on one second. Sorry, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Well, I've been busy. I had my little football hiatus. It was nice. <laughs> I will never host a show again alone. You what? I will never do a show again alone. It takes a lot out of you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I remember one time we were calling a foot. This is what I was calling high school football, and um, <laughs> there was a. It was super, super foggy, and we're kind of far away. And at one point, a um, cheerleader gets dropped, like falls on her head, <laughs> so they have to bring out the ambulance and everything. So it's like completely blocking. There's like you can't really see anything with the fog. Like you're just, just toast. And so mm-hmm. my partner I'm broadcasting with is like he grabs me and he writes on a piece of paper. He's like I have to poop really bad. And I'm just the color guy. Like I've never done play my play before. And so he's like you take over. And I'm like what? <laughs> so I had to like go on my own for like ten fifteen minutes. I thought I was gonna pass out. Like oh god. Well, I did the show for an hour and a half, never again. Well, that's your fault. <laughs> well, it's it right? it seems like you're talking to yourself the whole time. Most of the time you are. But yeah, anyway. you pretty much are. I, mean, I, went, like, through, I went through I all the hundred... Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. What I, what I do, like when I do the games on um, um, the... What's it? Who's it? Uh, on an app? That never worked yeah, for me. With the Raider games, when I was doing the live things of the Raider games, it's you're pretty much just talking, you know. It's, it's, you're like you're talking to yourself, and then you know, hopefully getting the people to start interacting with you while you're doing it. Otherwise, it gets really boring. And there's a couple games where they were just like they there was a couple during the season where they got beat kind of bad. And you know, it was like the third quarter, like everyone's leaving, and I'm like, yeah, well, we'll do them the game a little early. <laughs> well, I'm not so. We went through all the undrafted signings the day after. Um, we never really did get your opinion on the Raiders draft. Um, they did what... I mean, pretty much the way I spoke about how I thought they should go about and draft was pretty much pretty close to what they did. I mean, the first three picks were exactly how I would have laid them out. To how weird. You really like that pick? No, I well the the player not really. It's not necessarily the player; it's the position. I totally agree with. So I kept saying I wanted to see, you know, um, Joseph first, but some sort of five tech, 
and then Yannick Ngaku. And what we got was Carl Joseph, Jihad Ward, and Shalit Calhoun. I mean, that's pretty much exactly what I said to do. So, just what you think you know, about that running back? I like it. You know, I, I think that's the kind of running back. He fumbled back a team. lot. He fumbled what? a lot. Say that again? Your boy, your boy fumbles a lot. Yeah, I mean, a lot of running backs fumble. I don't think he's going to get a lot of touches. No, I think no. He, no, he fumbles more than Amir Abdullah. Well, I mean, we'll see. A lot, you know, it really depends. I honestly haven't watched much of him, just cause, but he's the kind of he's, he's the really kind of back he needs. What? He's a really good. He has a really good build. Yeah, but just a little too short. He remind, he reminds me of Darren Sproles, and that's what he reminds me of. And I I think Darren Sproles might have had a fumbling issue early on in his career. I don't know. I know Tiki Barber did. He was the real famous one. Um, but he reminds me of a Darren Sproles. I mean, that was again. That was the kind of running back they needed. He doesn't have the hands back there. I don't think anybody will. Well, well, let's check this move, well, let's move back on with their limited time together. Um, the first headline I want to go through is Bill. They, maybe Watkins broke a bone in his foot. And depending on how long the injury takes them out, maybe past the end of the season, they see otherwise, the teams always do. That wide receiver core is absolutely thin, but. Yet again, I've been pointing to the running backs, they like to ground and pound. And people forget Carlos Williams and Jonathan Williams are really good wide receivers on the backfield as well as LaShawn McCoy. So if they need a pass, I mean, they can always pitch it to one of the running backs. Um, and if you look at their average uh, times tired to their throws, so maybe 15 times on average. He had at least three games with 15 more attempts. I mean, at least more, a few more than 15 attempts, like three games of that. The rest was just grounding and pounding. So yeah. And, be fine. and then most of the time with Tyrod Taylor, he's either booting out or running an option. And Tommy Watkins is used to, probably used to always being hurt. I mean, I think the Bills are prob- they're up there with one of the most overrated teams in the NFL. I think they're well, they also they have a pretty awful wide receiver before. Yeah, but I also don't think that highly of the team in general. I I think that their defense is really generally awesome. overrated, with the exception of Marcel Darius. Um, I don't. I just find that team to be very overrated. I don't think they're that talented, and I could see a big time drop off this year, especially with on the offense on the offense because let's be let's face it, LaShawn McCoy is well past thirty now, I believe. I think he was thirty one. Just twenty seven. <laughs> and then nice um, I I literally have zero faith in Tyrod Taylor. I believe his upside, if you're lucky, at the absolute best is Alex Smith. And in all actuality, watching him last season, I bad. He's better than what they had. He wasn't. He's not bad, but like I don't get the hype whatsoever. I don't get it. I you know it's like oh you know he came in and he he finally have a quarterback. It's like he was Ryan Fitzpatrick when they had Ryan Fitzpatrick. What's the difference? 
He's a poor man since young without all the intangibles. The only difference, the only difference with what he did was the fact that occasionally they would run the option with him. And so it looked good. And so in the red zone, they'd run the option with him, and they got several touchdowns out of that. And then every once in a blue moon, he'd throw a deep ball, a really pretty deep ball. But otherwise, he's averaging, you know, 130 yards in the air every game. It's, you know, whatever. Um, But the Sammy Watkins thing, I digress. But the Sammy Watkins thing is really bad for that football team because if they don't have him – as a movable chess piece and vertical threat, they don't scare anybody. They don't have anything to stretch a defense out. Well, they they missed a few games without him last year, and he surprised everybody with maxing over 1,000 yards because he went insane at the end of the year. But yeah. he was pretty bad in the beginning. He was all banged Yeah, he, he had several big games at the end of the year, like three or four of them. Um, where he... But they have LaShawn McCoy, Carlos Williams, Jonathan Williams. Like I said, the two backup running backs are really good at catching the ball off the backfield. Jonathan Williams is very underrated in that case. People think it was all the other guys at the Seahawks draft that names escape with me, but he was an all-around back. He could catch it. He can run it. You know, so if they're down on wide receivers, they have enough running backs that they're good at catching the ball in the backfield. And you can split out wide. But everything is going to have to be manufactured. And I think when that's the case, really smart defensive coordinators with talent defenses are going to be able to tee off. And they are going – what they're going to do is they're just going to man up across the board and say, we're going to put eight in the box – be as tricky as you want with your run game and your running backs, but I've got the athletes to match up, and I'm going to smash you. And they will. Okay, okay. and then you have Tyra Taylor who bootleg it all the time. So I do go it. ahead and try that. Go ahead, boot them. I don't care. I will. Um, okay. Let me, just really take the Ra- Let me just take the Raiders, for instance. Let me just, because it's the team I can relate to the best. You're going to put out Robert Woods and whoever else you got there. I'm going to man up on them all day long, and it's not going to bother me. I don't care. I'll put Amberson on Woods. I'll put Smith on whomever. I don't give a crap. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go bring a cat like Carl Joseph into the box, and I'm going to have Bruce Irvin, who's going to be a free runner. And when you boot him out, I'm going to have Bruce Irvin just roll right at you and destroy you every time. Because I have a defensive back. What? Then you'll have EJ Manuel to follow back, too. Dump it off to whoever you want. I'll kill him, too. No, no, no. I'll no, what I'm saying is, if you have Bruce Serfan rushing out on Tara, it's going to get hurt. you have EJ Manuel to fall back, too. Oh, I got you. Yeah. And then and I'll kill him, too. And then I'll kill him, too. <laughs> the point being, if you, don't, if you don't have that vertical threat, and the thing about Sammy Watkins is what he does is he forces you, at minimum, to roll coverage his way. At minimum, you just have to think about him. And it just allows you to force to dictate some things to the defense to simplify it. And it forces the defense that can't be as creative. And on top of that, they can't they have to commit two people to one player. At least one and a half. And if you can't do that, it brings the whole offense down. So eliminating that threat regardless is a huge loss for the Bills. They're gonna have to manufacture everything. And like I said, 
you get a good, talented defense, and, you know, it doesn't matter if it's – it doesn't matter who it is. You get a talented defense with some speed. You know, the Seahawks. Uh, I can even see a team like the Packers. You know, um, there are teams out there who they may have the most talented defense, but they have speedy defenses. And they're going to run all over the place, and they're going to run and hit like a bunch of crazy psycho men, and they're going to kill you. And that's what's good, you know, because the whole point is you're trying to get people lost in coverage and create mismatches and stuff. But you're not going to get mismatches with a running back on a linebacker if they have athletic they really, linebackers. They really miss Stevie Johnson in that case. Yeah, they don't really have a go-up-and-get-it guy either. I mean, Robert Woods is a nice piece, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't scare anybody. They need to you bring know? in a guy like Inquan Bolden, that physical presence, you know. That wouldn't be too bad, but I would and, prefer... And people don't sleep on his numbers. His numbers are right up there with some guys that are already in the Hall of Fame. He's a sneaky Hall of Fame career. No, I think he's been. I think he's had a fantastic career. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I actually think what would be really great for the Bills if they had a tight end that could occupy the middle. I think would be fantastic. Nick but, O'Leary. What? Nick O'Leary. Come on. Nick O'Leary. We'll see. We'll see. But I have very Charles. Yeah, right. Charles plays one of the most inconsistent <laughs> players of all time. He's what about the traded uh, for that tight end on the Raiders? Michael Rivera. The I problem mean, that would it's not a bad idea. It's, it's not a bad idea, but Rivera's a move guy, so you can't really put him in line and expect him to sell it well. So for a team like that that wants to line up and play power. It's kind of, if you put him in, it's kind of a giveaway. Like Rivera should be, Rivera's the kind of tight end that's great for teams who want to run two tight ends a lot. And well, they have four tight ends. What? Charles Clay, Nick O'Leary, and then you got Jim Dre. Who's a really yeah, good blocker. But see, are you? But you really think you're going to be able to put Charles Clay or Nick O'Leary? On the offensive line, you next one offensive lineman expect him to block decently enough in order for you to move a guy like Michael Rivera into the slot and use him the way he should be used. I don't think so. Well, well that's why you have Jim Dre, who's an excellent blocker in that case. He's basically fixed uh, offensive lineman. Well, I mean, if that's what you want to do. I mean, that's pretty much what the Raiders do. I mean, they pull out Lee Smith, the zombie killer. It's the same concept, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say in there. Matter they really need to draft a tight end next year. Yeah, they really I, need to get a true number two wide receiver, which is it's the right class to go do it with. Yeah, and I don't necessarily disagree with the points you're making. Um, I just when I think of the people on you know the guys on that roster, it's like I don't I just don't see the fit for the real great inline blocker. The guy you're mentioning, I honestly don't know much about him, so that's fine and dandy. But if they've got one, then yeah, it would work fine. But you need that in my blocker to make that happen. Right now I'm lagging my finger. I know you can't see it. <laughs> um, moving forward, uh, the Tennessee Titans released Zach Menberger, who was claimed off waivers today by the San Diego Chargers. Bye bye, Kellen Clemens. Is this a possibly sneaky good move by them? Because if Philip Rivers is beat up and taken out, they have a decent fallback option. I actually think this is a horrible move. Because Zach Mettenberger is not 
Philip Rivers. The place for him to go was the Ravens. If you wanted, if you wanted to find the person that was the comp to, a, like, if you want to find a starting quarterback that's similar to Mettenberger, it's Flacco. Rivers. Um, that may have Ryan Allen for that. <laughs> Rivers has a really fast release, and he's very intelligent. I, I, I think the best platform was Pittsburgh, to be honest. Okay, that actually would work too. Big Ben, he that would work too, but they like what the space. Um, they got him. Yeah, Landry Jones, the guy from Oklahoma. He ropes all over himself every time he plays. <laughs> so um, I don't, I don't. And the thing is, to be perfectly honest, you put Zach Mettenberger behind that offensive line, he's going to get murdered. Murdered. That offensive line is crap on a stick. I mean, it's bad. King Dunlap, you're starting left at just... Well, two years ago, he gave up two, no, like four sacks in the entire year, and he did play 16 games. Yeah, but that's but because they were they gave, sacks. Up 50, they gave up around 50 sacks on every part of the other, all other four spots of that line. Exactly. He might have only given up four sacks, but that's because other guys were getting beaten faster than him. It's not that he wasn't getting beaten, he just wasn't getting beaten as fast. <laughs> he was getting beaten in four seconds when everyone else was getting beaten in two and a half seconds. And that's the same year Nick Hardwick went down with a career-ending neck injury. Exactly. So it, they were giving up pressure up the gut all day long. That was where their problem was. was that's between the guard. when they started to have a really bad offensive line when Nick Hardwick went down. Well, he was a good player. Nick Hardwick was a good player. I think the Hall of Fame caliber just not that type of career. No, I don't think you ever had that kind of talent. Solid player. You never want to put a center in the Hall of Fame. You never do. I just don't think he was that talented to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, a Hall of Fame, nah. Not a Hall of Fame center. Just didn't have the talent for it. But he was one. Okay, well, moving forward. Moving forward, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be such a nonsensical debate, debating Nick Hardwick to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Let's save that for the Hall of Fame episode. Oh gosh! As long as I can talk about about as long as I can talk about fifteen Raiders or so that need to go in, that will be with Bill Carroll, Mr. Hall of Fame. <laughs> he made me read a piece on the Hall of Fame that he wrote. He's like, "Did you see my piece?" No. He emails me it. And let me guess, he did ten thousand words. No, it's pretty close though. I don't know. It was pretty long. I'm like, why am I even looking at this? I could have just thought I read it. <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't even know where, where the show is going anymore. I had five topics and I lost my train of thought. Well, that's what happens with two crazy people on the show. Well, okay. Let's go move to Cleveland. Um. Corey Coleman has been told he has come to camp, or he's been, it's been said that he's come to camp out of shape. <laughs> you really want to tell your rookie you're here out of shape, and next thing you know, he works so hard, he comes back, he pops a quad. Exactly. We've seen this movie before. <laughs> it's, like, oh, it's like, oh no, Browns. Your first round pick comes in out of shape. 
Mm-hmm. And then he goes like on a crash. He goes on a crash workout to get in shape, and all of a sudden, whoop, tears a groin. Some sort of soft tissue injury. This, this reminds me of Brashad Perriman. Mm-hmm. Was Brashad? I think Brashad Perriman was very similar. Came in a little heavy. He tore his PCL though. Yeah, it was a knee. So it was a knee, not a soft tissue injury. Because <laughs> usually it's soft tissue is what ends up happening. Well, You're eating a quad or a hammy or something. Well, my next topic is going to be a little bit of hard hitting. It's about your rating. Oh, joy. Um, it's about moving, possibly moving to Las Vegas. Fun discussion. I don't know if you really want to talk about that, but well, I'll talk about anything. I don't really care, but it's a <laughs> well, really it just happens to be a very sensitive spot for a lot of Raider fans. Well, it's been in the news more than often. Um, I don't know how to even start this. Let me start it off. Okay. When I would told people years ago that San Antonio could be a city that would poach the Raiders, they're like, yeah, blah, blah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I said, it's not, and then they would always tell me, but Jerry Jones won't let you. And I said, look, it's not necessarily the city of San Antonio itself. It's what they offer and how they could put up a deal to get a team. Isn't the NFL trying to get rid of legalized gambling? I don't think the NFL has a, anything to do with this. I don't think the NFL as a structure cares enough. People... Well, that's where we disagree on that. <laughs> people, keep thinking, people act like the NFL, especially with relocation, act like the NFL as its own entity is what controls this. It's not. It's the owners. And the owners decide what is in the best interest of the league. The owners, frankly, could care less about gambling. They don't give a rat's butt. Half the owners take 10 different prescription pills a day. They don't care. Okay, What the owners care about is having teams in situations where they are secure and prosperous. What Las Vegas offers is exactly what the Raiders need. They need a sugar daddy. And the sugar daddy in this situation is the state of Nevada. And most importantly, the tourists. So in San Antonio, what they were pitching was they had 14 corporations that came together and said, we're going to help you finance this whole thing. Replace that with a 1% tax increase specifically on hotels in which the people who pay for that tax are all going to be visitors. The vast majority of that tax is not going to be paid by the residents of Las Vegas or Nevada. It's going to be, well, it might be paid by Nevadans, but it's going to be people traveling to Las Vegas. The vast majority of where that money is coming from is going to be people the millions upon millions upon millions of people who every year travel to Las Vegas as a destination city because it's one of the biggest ones in the United States. So it holds conventions and has all that. It's easy for them to make the – it's easy. The thing is, when they go vote for this thing, Nevadans go vote for this tax, is a really good chance it's going to go over well because it's not coming out of their pocket. 
could be in other people's pockets. And the draw of Las Vegas and the draw of Las Vegas is going to insulate it from a one percent tax increase. So there, Las Vegas is doing the right thing. And look, when the Raiders say they're going to contribute five hundred million dollars of their own money to this thing, that means, and then on top of that, I believe it's an additional two hundred million from the NFL. Uh, I can't remember. A, is this isn't this a poll also for the Raiders? I mean. Oakland to wake up, hey, this is probably not the best idea to let our team go. And they should, you know, pony up and get a new stadium for them. Maybe. I mean, okay, it does does return massive amounts of leverage for the Raiders. But I don't think Mark is making a power play. I think he legitimately sees what he believes is is a good opportunity. And he's jumping on it, and I don't blame him. He's doing, he, he's making rational decisions. He's not doing anything rash. And he, the thing is, if you think about this, he's going to get a massive chunk of that stadium that he's going to own in Las Vegas. He's going to own like half of it, which means he's going to get all the returns from all the other events that are held there, which is exactly what the draw of owning a stadium is. And it's going to be domed, which means it's going to be temperature controlled, and on top of that, they are going to cater to Raider fans, which means they're going to allow um, tailgating, but you don't even have to tailgate. you got hotels everywhere, $10 lobster buffets. You don't even have to tailgate. You just walk from the sands. Go walk half a mile. You know, and you have $10 lobster buffet at the sands. So the fact is, it's... There's a lot of upside going to Las Vegas. Now, I know Raider fans, look, I've said a long time, I am a location agnostic for the Raiders. All I care about is that they go to a place where they own the building and they're doing well. I don't care where it is. There are a lot of Raider fans where it's really touchy. and They are the big push now, like my buddy Dr. Death and some others, really want Mark Davis to sell the team. There is zero incentive for Mark Davis to sell. The incentive for Mark Davis is to get a stadium built, then sell his 50 to 60% shares that he owns all the way down to 5%, which is the legacy ownership threshold. So he still controls the, he still runs the ship as a general managing partner, only owns 5% of the team, and now he's sitting on a billion-dollar war chest. It makes a ton of sense. That's where his incentive is. So I don't think he's going to sell anytime soon. And personally, I would kind of be shocked if it didn't work out in Las Vegas. I think that the people in Nevada are going to pass that tax, and the moment that happens, it's going to go up in front of the owners, and I don't see any reason why they're going to turn them down. That was Raider talk by Rory Anderson. <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is. You know, it's there's really – Raider fans – it's sad but true. The Raider fans were they're a great group. They're highly invested, highly emotional. They have to realize this isn't personal. This is business. And the fact is there's a viability issue in the Bay Area. I understand the markets. I understand all that. This isn't about TV markets. It's really irrelevant in the discussion of the NFL because of NFL direct TV packages, the way the system runs. It's really irrelevant. The team doesn't get any extra money being in that market. 
And let's not forget the fact that there's already a team in the Raiders market. It's the Niners. So it's not like the NFL is losing a presence there. They still have one. And let's face it, it's freaking Las Vegas. It's not like it's that far. There's going to be a lot of really loyal Raider fans, especially those from Los Angeles. It's only a couple-hour drive from Los Angeles. All those SoCal Raider fans are going over there. They're not going to care. They go to Las Vegas already. And what is it, a 90-minute flight? It's a 90-minute flight from Oakland. You know, uh, I I hate to say it, but I think a lot of I think it's gonna happen sooner than people think it is. Um, I agree with and I and I and I know if it happens, Raiders fans are gonna be calling for Mark Davis's head, calling him the worst owner of all time, blah blah blah. But you will not you will not hear that you, you will not hear that from me. I will absolutely stick up for Mark Davis. You're probably one of the more rational Raiders fans I know. I try to be. In this sense, I am. And when it comes to business, it's kind of it's where my brain, it's where my brain works. It's kind of, you know, it's what I enjoy. So when it comes to the business side of things, I tend to be a little more level-headed. Yeah. Unlike all the other crazy Raiders fans, yes, since I met at SAFB and underscore NFL, I'm glad to argue and all that. <laughs> but moving forward. Um, Man, it's hard to transition from a talk like that. Um, moving from one Bay team to another, San Francisco 49ers, Chip Kelly finally talked about Colin Kaepernick, in which I still think it's a non-story. He's at camp because he's not participating. Oh, he just had shoulder surgery during the offseason. So he's sitting on the sidelines. Oh, there's a... There's it's all Blaine Gabbard. Look at Blaine Gabbard. He looks like a true pro. Well, he's really, in another sense, it's just him and Fab Lewis. You want to praise Fab Lewis or Blaine Gabbard? You know, well, I think Blaine Gabbard... Okay. Blaine Gabbard has... I'm sorry. Go ahead. There's a huge misconception about Chip Kelly and quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks Chip Kelly likes these hyper-mobile, real-runner-type quarterbacks. And I've it's said this bonus. before. On 95.7 The Game, there's a show, Middlecoff, uh, whatever, Middlecoff. But John Middlecoff, he's an ex-Eagles scout. Those are the Browns, too. But he was there Chip Kelly's first year. And he went on the radio one day when Chip Kelly first got hired by the Niners. And they went through all the draft book that Chip Kelly gave all the scouts to say exactly for what they were looking for for every single position. And you want to know what the one of the last things listed for quarterbacks was? Running ability. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. He wants big, relatively big, physical, smart, and a decent arm. Now, and say what you will about Blaine Gabbert. He doesn't have to be mobility. He just wants somebody, you know, if he gets himself in trouble, and gets himself out. That's the main issue that he likes. He, he, he doesn't he care about mobility. More. Yeah, he doesn't care about a runner. He wants somebody who's kind of fluid in the pocket. Mm-hmm. He wants fluidity in the pocket. So, Blaine, say what you will about Blaine Gabbert, but Blaine Gabbert Blaine is... Blaine Gabbert got a bad rap. He was bad on rap. a bad Jacksonville team who really had nobody. Cecil Short, who was a fourth receiver in most teams. 
And he had Card. He had David Card. And the difference is he is so young that he started to kind of come out of it a little bit, not a lot, but a little. He wasn't bad last year. And people want to make sure. He's okay. Yeah, it's either, it's either him or Blaine Gabbert. Uh, Blaine Gabbert was not bad. I take him over a few quarter, starting quarterbacks in the NFL last year. He had moments. He had moments where he did some good things, and that's. But and he's he still young. Preseason I'm like talent. I'm not a roster. Preseason type talent. He's surrounded by. Yeah. But in the end, you know, I think ultimately, I don't think Chep Kelly likes Colin Kaepernick just stylistically. I don't think he's anything close to what he wants. I think he's going to roll with Colin Kaepernick. That's kind of what he has to say. Oh, he's my guy, or, you know, there's going to be bad press, and you don't want that. He's just going to waffle. Chip Kelly's going to use the competition line, and he's just going to waffle. He's in no rush. Did you think you really wanted Michael Vick? Do you think you wanted Nick Foles? No, because those weren't his type of quarterback. Nick Foles, to a degree, sort of was. Sam Bradford was the perfect type of quarterback. Yes, Sam Bradford, Blaine Gabbard, they're very similar. That's his kind of quarterback. Quick release. They do a lot of shorter passes. It's a tempo West Coast style, short West Coast style offense. You know, a little bit of mobility. They'll do some boots and some other things. But that's what he wants. I mean, it's, look at Marcus Mariota. That's kind of Marcus Mariota. You, you, know, know? What, you know what the perfect quarterback that he had with the Eagles for him was? Mark Sanchez. Who was that type of quarterback? I think Mark Sanchez is best in oddly enough, I think Mark Sanchez is best in the system he's at now. Mark because that's what he ran in college. That's the type of quarterback. Maybe. You know, because Mark Sanchez when he was in college, he ran the boot system at USC under mm-hmm. Pete Carroll. And that's what he's going to now. I actually think Mark Sanchez might impress a little bit this year. Um and people he's, say, he's, oh, you'd rather have Mark Sanchez. You forget, he was, he was a middle-of-pack starter whenever he played until he lost all his wide receivers. Yeah, and again, and I, and I, don't, think, I don't think they put him in the right system either because they kept trying to use him to throw bombs like Joe Flacco, and it's not and really he didn't, have the, he didn't have the talent. I mean, not that he didn't have the talent. He has the arm. He just didn't have any talent around him. He surrounded him with a huge running game his first two years with LT. Thomas, Dave, I mean, uh, Thomas Jones, his first year, first or second year, and then Sean Green and Chris Ivory, his second. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, very little attacking options. Didn't ha- really have a great vertical there, remember, because he got stuck with San Antonio. Antonio Holmes, and then you had the, forget his name, he went to the start of the Steelers, Giants, and the Jets. Yeah. Wide receiver that was in jail for a while. I mean, I could see, I could see Mark Sanchez having a kind of, I could see him pulling a bit of an Alex Smith. I mean, I could see him pulling a little bit of an Alex Smith. Maybe not quite to that level, but similar. People. Yeah, I mean, it'll be it's amazing. It's amazing what that scheme does for quarterbacks, though. It's Mm -hmm. weird. The, Matt the way Chubb, that Matt Chubb, his career, I mean, his talent is what he is with Atlanta right now. That's the type of quarterback he was for the Raiders. He's the type of quarterback he's always been. But when Gary Kubiak went away from what he did normally did 
Matt Chog showed his true colors. Yeah, he got a Well, another great example. Look what Jake Plummer did in that system. The, actually, probably the best, the best example ever. Look what Kyle Orton did in that system as a rookie. He threw like thirty-three touchdowns and like eight picks as a rookie or something crazy. Over oh, four Kyle hours. Orton. Kyle Orton was drafted by the Bears. He was with them. He was drafted by the Broncos. Or not Kyle no, Orton. drafted by the Bears. Not Kyle Orton. Sorry, not Kyle Orton. Jay Cutler. Jay okay, Cutler. I was about to say. Sorry. He was drafted got, by the Bears. I got my brown Bronco rejects confused. <laughs> or bear Bronco rejects. Uh, moving forward. Um, now that Antonio Brown has included off dancing with the stars, do you think he'll be looking for a new contract? I know the Steelers won't give it to him because they tend to go through the whole contract before anybody gets a new one. Is basically you agree to it, and you're just going to have to wait until he contracts up. He has two oh. years left on his deal. He's been the best wide receiver in football. You think he should be paid like that? Well, yeah, but, okay. They, the Steelers are not, um, how do I put this? The Steelers are not against going back and rewarding players. You're right that they don't necessarily give new contracts, but what they will do is rearrange money. They'll do it all, they do it all the time because they That's like. The they just did with him. But he's still not paid like what his talent is. Yeah, but they they like converting base to bonus. They they love doing it. So currently, screw up your cap. Well, their cap's already screwed up. It's been screwed up for a long time. But they're currently at 170 million in total cap liabilities. But their top 51 is only 153. So realistically, they probably have some wiggle room. So Antonio Brown is currently at 6.2 million base with a 6.1 pro rated. So his total cap number is 12.3. Do I see them doing much with that? Probably not. That's actually higher than I thought it was. But it's because they. I remember last year they reorganized his contract and accelerated a bunch of um, base into bonus. So for next oh, season, and a lot of game incentives as well. Yeah, so for next season, he's at an 8.7 base with a 4.4 prorated. So he's still at a 13 million cap number. So probably probably won't do much about it. Um, it's not into, okay. Yeah, so he's in his last two years in the deal. The only thing I could see them doing is if they decided to add on, like, say they decided to add on two years. And then um, probably reaccelerate even more of that. So eat up the base that they currently have, convert it base to bonus again, and then have it reprorate uh, because it'll drop their current cap number. So, um, but it would leave them on the hook more long term in years three and four. So let's say they added two years, say. Two years, uh, twenty-four million, and they used half of that as twelve million. But it, what they did was they converted six million from this year and six million from next year from base to bonus, 
so if we get prorated over, drop the cap number this year, that's kind of what they would do. It's similar to what they've done before. You know, I think that's probably where they would go with it. Yeah, they're going to continue to leverage the crap out of their cap, but with the way the cap's growing, they're probably thinking that they could pull it off. Because right now, the only people they're leveraging the cap with are Ben and him. So, I mean, maybe. But that was probably what they, that's probably what they would do. So not everybody could fall asleep listening to cat talk. Andre <laughs> Roberts looking for a new home. Possibly the Raiders. Who is the better Seth Roberts by far? He's really he really do well in the team. Yeah, so. oh, oh, I thought I heard something about Seth Roberts. What? I said Andre Roberts was just released. Maybe go oh. to the Raiders and mentor Seth Roberts. <laughs> Random. <laughs> I said maybe Andre Roberts goes to the Raiders and mentor Seth I, I don't think so. They really like Seth Roberts, and I, I have a gut feeling a guy like um that that McCaffrey kid's gonna stick around. Sorry. Uh, the Rams signed former first round pick Dominic Easley to a one year deal. Yawn. They've been kinda of doing this a lot lately, signing a former first round pick. They did it last year in the It's very Patriots. Very I think Les Need came from that type of you know system or organization. Did he Les Oh, he might have. I don't know. Let me, let me check it out. Les Need. Let's Wikipedia and find out. <laughs> In other words, former Rams quarterback was blamed by Seattle Michael Bennett, almost grew up to me, and Bradford requested trade. No, oh, that's the whole Sam Bradford trade. What a boo move that was. Um, Michael Bennett quick, back, almost threw up. Yeah. Going back to Les Snead, he uh, was a pro scout for the Jaguars in 95 to 97, then a pro scout for the Falcons 97 to 2009. And then was the director of player personnel for the He doesn't cross over at all with Bill Jack. They don't he don't draft with Belichick, but he came from that type of system. Dimitrov did. And you know, he came from Dimitrov's system. Yeah. Well that's true. Dimitrov was a... Uh... I forgot about Dimitrov. Dimitrov. <laughs> Dimitrov was with the Browns when Bill Belichick was yeah, I forgot about that. Forgot about him. Yeah, so that was four. That um, would make. So, I guess since I never really got, um, it was sort of the question of the day, the day after the draft for this show: who had the best draft and who had the worst draft, in your opinion? And this is all opinion based because. I don't think I don't think there was a single team where I looked at their draft and was really wowed. 
like everyone wants to talk about the Jaguars, right? Because they got Ramsey and then they got Miles Jack. People picked Miles Jack for their draft, and I thought it was a D minus. Okay, and that's not just because I don't like Kimbichi. They didn't really fill anything that they needed to be filled. You have Chandler Jones, and once he goes down, what are you going to do? Bring him back to the white screen? Chandler Jones gets hurt every year. And yes. we have nobody alongside him, really. Robert Golden, who maxed out at four sacks last year. Hmm. And you added corners, okay. You define a sitting safety there that you've been doing the past few years. You can go ahead and do that. But they really didn't address any of the needs. Yeah, and but you like I said, you look at the Jags and okay, the Jags get Miles Jack in round two. But I like you know, there's, Brandon Allen. there's a significant chance that a guy like Miles Jack plays little to nothing in the NFL. I mean, it's a legitimate possibility that we don't ever see my... If they get five good years out of him, then it's a good gamble. Look, he could be... He could could be Adrian Claiborne, okay? Very similar, degenerative knee issue, cartilage problem, and we never saw Adrian Claiborne. Fell to the second round, was a high... I thought Adrian Claiborne was the first round guy. Second round. I, believe he was, I believe he was an early second round pick. But besides the point, I my point is I think he could he could very easily end up just like that. So I don't look at that draft to be like, oh, oh, it's just so amazing. No, they're taking a risk. And I also think that uh Ramsey is a little overstated. People talk about him like he's literally gonna be a hall like he's one of those amazing generational talents. I don't think so. I think he's a solid talent. I think he's a very good player. I don't think he's a generational talent. You know, um, I, I, I don't think that I had a high story- grade. I'm sorry. I had a high grade on the Indianapolis. They sort of did with the Rams a year ago. They drafted five on the offensive linemen. Yeah. And the Colts did something that made sense. And then they got Hassan Ridgeway, who I really, really like. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do. In the fourth, and I think he's going to provide well with Henry uh, Anderson from Stanford last year. Yep. You get a nice one-two. That's your defense tackle spot. Uh, you get a third guy, and you'll be fine. Um, but they didn't really address their pass rush, but I know they had to do one problem at a time. I mean, the Vikings had a good draft. They, uh... I thought they had a solid draft. And a nice few early good picks. I pretty much the way the way I look at most of this draft, like most drafts, I have a bunch. I have like one or two teams where I think did very very well, and then I have you know the A's, then a decent group of B's. I guess and the Patriots and F. So C, <laughs> and it's decent and F. In this year, I feel like I had nothing. I probably had like twenty C like B's and C's and then the rest are kinda of like low C's D's. But there was nothing that was great and there was nothing that was just abjectly horrible. It was well, really draft. Like I said, it's not ideal, but it wasn't abjectly horrible. You know, like um like well, you know, I found one of the drafts I found weird 
like we just oddly bizarre was the Browns. I thought it was just strange. You know, like you well I, they drafted five technically drafted five wide receivers. They're calling one a tight yeah. end, but not and the most tight end is the wide receiver. But in other words, basically what I'm saying, you look at the Rams, the Colts, you draft five the same position, maybe one hit. Maybe one or two yeah. of them hit. And well, look, like I said, the right approach in a way. And if you four if you have four. if you have nine picks and three of them become starters, you just had a damn good draft. That's the reality of it. If you hit three of nine picks and become starters, that is a solid draft. You know, and um, I mean, that's just the reality of it all. So, like I said, I just don't think there was – I was not impressed with this draft class. I thought the, the real strength of the draft class was between rounds two and five. I think a lot of teams played it that way. And that's why, that's why the Chiefs traded out the first. And that's Which, what so, Ken Dorsey talked about. about I, a team could do would be completely trade out around one. And they did because they lacked picks. And they went and they got well, some picks. Decent players out my, of it. The best draft, I mean, the worst draft is the Patriots. Um, and people say Bill Belichick drafts so well. He really hasn't. No, Belichick's a horrible drafter. Remember the uh, Patriots fan? And Bill we trust, right? Well, the thing about the thing about Bill is what they do well is they tend to hit on round one guys and then they get a lot of really good undrafted free agents. That's kind of what they always end up doing. So they'll hit around one pick, and then they'll get like four undrafted free agents you never heard about that all of a sudden play pretty well for them. And you're like, what the crap? doesn't make any sense. But okay. they're like, round, between, round two and six, they don't get anything. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, is there one last topic you want to touch? One what? One last uh, topic you want to touch on? Oh, oy vey. Um, uh, yeah, there is one more thing. I, uh, um, you know, well, one more. I think it, it. Yeah, one more thing I want to touch on. Um, it's a little Raider centric, but I. It's a principle. It's a. It, there's a concept behind it. Um, I remember a lot of Raider fans got really, really butt hurt with the Connor Cook thing. And, oh, supposedly he didn't show any sense of arrogance in camp. No, none of that. He's yeah. And, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I think what people, I think what's happened, I think, I think what people... I think it's like A.J. McCarron in a way. That's what they think. No, well, maybe. maybe. Yeah. I, I'm not talking about, I think what's I happening... As people and people, you get fan bases. And this isn't just a lesson for the Raider fans. This is a lesson for Jag fans, for hopefully one day Browns fans, for fans where you have a team that's horrible for a really long time. When that team grows and they finally start doing things right and they start winning football games, there becomes a change in approach. And you go from... You go from trying to find people who are going to immediately, you know, fit in and make a lot of stuff for you when you have talent. Now you can get guys who there's some investment to them, but they're still good players. 
and even take a guy at a position you don't really need but has long-term investment opportunities. I like Matt McGloin, but Connor Cook, solid, he's got more natural talent than Matt McGloin. He's going to be a backup for you, and in four years, he could net you a couple picks. That's long-term investment thinking, but that's what happens so, when things go from that. There's very little starting positions open right now, but in like two or three years, your Tom yeah. Brady, your Drew Brees, or Eli Manning, your Ben Roethlisberger are going to be out. Even even if you let him, even if you let him as well, even if you let him walk, like what happened with um, the guy, uh, Osweiler, they're gonna get they're gonna get a third round compensatory pick for that. So you're always gonna figure out a way to get compensated. My point is, when teams go from bad and they become good. There's a natural way that they have to start acting. It changes. Their approach should change. It's smart. It's natural. It's the right thing to do. And I think the Raiders are making that transition. I think there's going to be other teams that are going to start to make that transition. Transition if they make, if they start taking the steps. Um, but it has to happen. So there are a lot of fans out there who are going to see teams making transitions, and they don't understand what's happening because it's a different mindset. And I think you need to be patient. Um, just allow it to change and be a little bit different. Give it some time. Let it work itself out. So, like I said, it started off Raider-centric, but I had a larger point to make. <laughs> Basically, what the Packers are trying to do with Brett Hundley. Yeah, but again, I'm not even I'm not even principally talking about Connor Cook. I'm, I'm trying to talk about value. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's more about teams when they get better – you change how you draft. You change things about it, your approach. You know what I mean? It's You're going to be able to do things a little bit different. And, you know, when you hit round four, you're going to be able to take a round two talent at a position you don't necessarily need because in a few years, he's going to be very valuable for you. Like, And that's the kind of thinking that allows teams to stay good long term. And I think you have to make that transition when you go from a poor team to a good team. Well, that's going to do it and do it for us this week. Uh, we'll be back again possibly next weekend. Sure. Or maybe, maybe we'll figure we'll it out. Know. Well, we'll figure it out, but we'll take a, we won't be too crazy during this off-season time here. I'm even taking a little bit of a hiatus from blogging, so I've uh, transitioned into new job, and um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of work, and it's kind of wiped me out the last few weeks. So I have been um, a little bit on the back foot when it comes to blogging and such. Uh, and we're so the during the slow part of the off season. Yeah, and, it, and the, yeah, it's just kind of We're gonna. I'm gonna kind of enjoy having a little bit of, you know, not doing quite as much and uh, hit it hard when the time comes. Um, but hopefully, I think I am gonna write something this weekend. So um, probably put something out on site. What's up? You can find me, you can find me at, at Isaiah C underscore NFL, capital C or capital F and capital NFL, where you can find them at at underscore six. And that will do it for us. Rory, get some sleep. Peace. And until next time. Talk to you later. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.